Advent. Um, Someone asked me when they walked in this morning, they said, hey, Matt, are you going to be talking about slowing down at Christmas and quieting my schedule? And I said, well, I wasn't planning on it. He said, well, I need that this morning. So we're going to slow down uh, our minds and our hearts and begin to consider one of the writers of, of the Bible, the Gospels, telling us the stories of Jesus, his perspective on the Christmas story. Advent, we talked about this last week, Advent is a Latin word meaning the coming or arrival. And when we enter into the Advent season, which is four weeks leading up to Christmas, we're thinking about the coming of Jesus, which happened a couple thousand years ago, but also the second coming of Jesus, which will happen in the future. And it becomes this, this season of, of like holy longing or anticipation for what's to come. And one of the things I hope you take away um, is the opportunity during this season to just breathe, to anticipate the God who is pursuing us, who is with us, who loves us, who cares for you deeply who is not standing at a distance, but through his son Christ and now with his spirit is with you. In all manners and activities of your life, God is with you. Now that in itself is a message of good news. Right? I mean, God is with us. We're not alone. And trying to figure out this crazy world and, 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 and trying to figure out how, how my life makes sense and does it even matter? And we're not alone in that journey. And whatever it is you believe about God, whatever it is you believe about Jesus, it, it doesn't matter. He, he's with you. And he's drawing you closer and closer to himself. And that's the good news of Jesus. Last week, we talked about Matthew. Matthew is the first of the gospel stories. So if you get to the New Testament, uh, which is, uh, begins with, with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew's the first that we get the story from in the order of Scripture. Now, in, in terms of like timing, Matthew was probably not the first gospel written, but it's the first one we see. So a lot of times we assume that it's the first one written. It wasn't. Um, probably. Uh, most scholars agree that, that, it, that it wasn't. But what Matthew does for us, and I hope you took this last week, what Matthew does is he grounds the Christmas story in history. He wants us to realize that this isn't a once upon a time kind of story. It's not just a fairy tale. It's, it's a historical story of utmost importance. And in the first century, they, they weren't as interested in the kinds of historical documentation that we are in our day and age. Like, we can't prove certain things, but Matthew, for his readers in that first and second, like, he wanted them to understand that the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus, was grounded in reality, in, in historical reality. And he gives us, um, he, he gives us this, this order of, of those that God used to bring about his story. Not a fairy tale. Mark, one of the, uh, the earliest of, of, of Christians, of followers of Jesus, who gives us his gospel story. Now, uh, for those of you who have read in the Bible, Mark's gospel story is named in the Bible. What's the name of Mark's story? 
Mark. Yeah, very clever the way he does that. He just puts his name on it. This is the gospel according to Mark. And so Mark um, is grounded in, in that first century world. And, and Mark, like most, like really all Christians in that day and age, did not celebrate Christmas yet. You know what they celebrated in the first century? Easter. That was the biggie. Like Christmas wasn't even yet on the radar. And so when we get to Mark's gospel, his, his story, it happens, like the Christmas side of it, you'll read it and you'll go, it's not even in there. Like there is nothing about the Christmas story unless we slow down and listen to what's behind the scenes of the story when it comes to Mark. Mark wants us to see the incarnation in, in, a, in a new way um, how important it is to the world in which we live. Now, if you have your, your journals, and if you don't have a journal, pick one up today. You can just take it. You don't have to pay for it or anything like that. We want you to have one as we walk through um, this season. But there's this picture. It's, my, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite pages in, in the journal. And if you, if you worked through this last week, you came across this picture. It's the, the picture of the incarnation, uh, a, a picture of uh, an idea of the incarnation. And when Robin saw this, she was like, ugh, I, I don't like that picture. I love this picture because it's, it's the, the, honest, the honesty of God entering into human flesh and blood. And when we think about that, we, we think about this, this royal uh, godly figure, and so we think Jesus must have been all put together and pretty and all of that, but, but he was a carpenter whose hands were probably worn and cracked and his fingernails dirty and his feet dusty from the journey of the first century world in the Middle East. And his hair was probably matted. And I know in, in our hipster world, the beards are awesome, but back then, the matted beard, no beard oil, none of that, you know, to make it look nice. I can't grow a good one. Cameron, he can, one of our pastors, he can grow a good beard. I don't, I just don't have the ability. But, but think about like the matted long hair of a beard and the, the heat of the Middle East and all of that. And that's Jesus. That's God in the flesh. And what Mark is doing for us as he's writing this story in a way to understand the importance, the great importance of what it means that God came to us. And so here's how Mark begins the story. The good news of Jesus Christ, the message of God, begins here, following to the letter. He wants us to understand this is following to the letter, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. In other words, what, what, what this means is that the story of Jesus was actually foretold in the prophet's book, the prophet's speaking. His name was Isaiah, hundreds of years earlier. The story of Jesus, which he's going to tell us, began a long time ago. Don't miss that. The story of God coming to the earth began a long time before Mary and Joseph walked. The good news of Jesus, it begins here following to the letter, the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. So he quotes the prophet Isaiah, watch closely, I'm sending my preacher ahead of you. He'll make the road smooth for you. Thunder in the desert. Prepare the way for God's arrival. 
and John came preaching. So now he's telling us the story of John the Baptist, the, the one who was preparing the way for Jesus. So John preached, the real action comes next. See, all these people were flooding out of the cities into the wilderness to, to, to see this preacher named John the Baptist. Have you ever heard of John the Baptist? Yeah, so John the Baptist, they were flooding to see John the Baptist. And so John had a crowd and he was like, no, no, the real action comes next. The star in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will change your life. Now, what I hope we don't miss this Christmas season is the star of the story. Jesus. He, he's, he's the real star of the story, and he is the one who changes our lives. Don't miss that God is here. God is here, and he is on our side. Now, hold on. Before we go too far with that, um, in our world, we view our side as our side, and then there's them. That's their side. There is no our and them when it comes to God being on our side. When he's talking about our side, he's talking about all of humanity. God is on humanity's side. And that's good news for everyone, not just a select crowd. We, we talked about that a little last week, that, that this message isn't just for a select crowd of people who show up. No, God is on humanity's side, which means God is on your side. Not your side against someone else, but he's on your side. He wants good for you, and he wants good for them, whoever them is in your world. He's on their side. He's on our side. He's here. He's on our side. And this is not a last-minute change of plans. Jesus was not a change of plans for God. He was not, uh, you know, the, the, the option B for God. Jesus was always planning to come to the earth where we live. Always. He was always planning to come. Now, I want to back up in the story, and I want us to understand that God has been writing this out. In Isaiah, uh, the prophet says this, The Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive. Have a son, and she'll name him Emmanuel. This was written... Again, hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up. I mean, hundreds of years before it happened. Um, God was, was giving to his prophet words to say because he was working behind the scenes of history to bring about his good in the world, in the future. Does that make sense? Are you, are you, are you still with me? And he continues, Isaiah continues, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. The prophet Isaiah, speaking to people who felt like they were living in a land of darkness, hold on, God is writing a story behind the scenes of your life. And he continues, for a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. The government will be, and his name's shall be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now think about those four different names. Which one could you use this year? A counselor? 
to give you some direction and perspective in life. Maybe you're wondering, you know, this way or that way. Am I as crazy as I think I am? Am I as, am I as crazy as my wife tells me I am? I mean, I need a counselor, a wonderful counselor. D- this year is, is it the mighty God. If, 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 do, you, do you feel like you're up against something that is insurmountable? And God says, behind the scenes of history, I'm writing a story that you can't yet see. He's a mighty God. Everlasting Father. Maybe this year, like you desperately need an everlasting Father that that can take you into his arms and just pull you close. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and, and Prince of Peace. To, to the one who talked to me when I came in, this would be the one, I think, Prince of Peace. Peace isn't just the absence of conflict. Peace is much grander than that. Peace is like a state of being. His government and its peace will never end. I mean, this is Jesus God's talking about from long ago. And then uh, another prophet who, who doesn't even give us the picture of Jesus like, like Isaiah does, but he tells us the place. Like God is writing it in so much detail that he gives us the place. And he says, Bethlehem, you're tiny, you're small, you're one of the smallest tribes and insignificant. You are so insignificant. However, one will come from within your boundaries. And his origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. In other words, this this one who will come out of Bethlehem is not just something that happens in the course of history, but this one has been around forever. Now, if you're like me, you, you look at these prophecies and you think, how did they miss it? Do you ever wonder that? Like, I mean, it's written so clearly throughout the pages of the prophets. How in the world did they miss Jesus? Do you ever wonder that? How did they miss Jesus? I wouldn't miss him because I never miss Jesus when he shows up in my life. But we do it all the time, don't we? The God who whispers in our ear the God who's doing something behind the scenes of the outward expression of our lives, and yet we miss his voice and his presence all the time. So we have the writings of all these prophets, and then silence. 400 years of silence. He's been speaking through his prophets. He's been speaking through individuals throughout history. And then God goes dark on us. Well, God goes dark on us, doesn't he? Matt, this is not how I thought my retirement would be. 
and I've prayed more than I care to talk about. God has gone silent. He's gone missing from my life. Matt, this isn't what I thought marriage was going to be. When I walked down that aisle and I said, till death do us part, this isn't what I had in mind. And believe me, I mean, I know you're a pastor and you just say to me, Matt, you, you just keep telling me to pray. That's the Christian thing to do. But let me tell you, God has gone silent in my life. He's gone dark. He's gone missing. He is not there. I've prayed for my child over and over and over. In the silence of the night, when I'm not sure where they are, and if I'm going to get a call from the police department or from a friend or a hospital, I've prayed. Yet God has gone silent. He's gone dark. He's gone missing. I think the long story of Christmas, not just the pretty picture of the nativity, like the long story of Christmas, is the reminder that God is active behind the scenes of your life and my life, even when we can't hear or see him. God, God has not gone dark. He might be quiet, but he has not gone dark. Have you ever been talking to someone and they just ignore you? <laughs> Have you ever had kids? When, when that happens, when you're, when you're talking to someone and, and they, they don't respond, if you're like me, you, you feel as though they are apathetic or indifferent to you. I think the Christmas story um, wants to remind us that silence does not equal inactivity. And, and silence does not equal apathy. That, that just because we cry out and we can't hear does not mean that God does not care. Are you with me? But sometimes we think that, don't we? Like, I've, I've asked three times with no response. And it must mean that God doesn't care. But the, the Christmas story, if anything, should remind us, especially the way that Mark tells it, should remind us that, that it's not that God doesn't care. Like, that is not the reality of God's presence in our life. Like, his voice is not the only way he shows up with us. 
So the question I, I want to uh, leave us with as we, as we kind of wrap up this morning is this. Will we trust the God who is sometimes silent but never distant? Will, will we trust the God who is sometimes silent but never distant, the God is, who is always working for good in this world? Will we trust that God? For, for the Israelites, 400 years of silence. You would begin to think that you were on your own, wouldn't you? I'm, I'm, I'm all alone. From the last page of the Old Testament to the first page of the New Testament, 400 years. Four, I'm going to keep saying that number because I, I want it 400 years. That's longer than any of us will live. Now, that's not a comforting thought, is it? That's not a feel-good thought. That it could be, I never see the answer to my prayer or hear an answer from God in the present world in which I live. Well, gosh, that's not a great Christmas message, Matt. But the question of, of, of the, the Bible, the question of the gospel, the, the question I think each of these authors asks us is, will we trust even when we can't see? I mean, that's what faith is. And all of us, every single one of us has faith in something. And I believe the best place to put your faith is in the person who proved to be present. God, through the Son, Jesus, and now through His Spirit. Will we trust that God? Uh, near the end of the of the Old Testament is a prophet who writes this, and um, it's it's not a Christmas it's, it's not a Christmas passage of scripture. Um, this is written: even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vine, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren. Now that sounds depressing, right there. But the writer continues, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, just to make matters worse, like, worse, there, like there's nothing on the trees, there's nothing in the fields that we planted, and the cattle have all run away, or they've died in the fields, like there's nothing. And the prophet writes, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Which is an interesting choice of words for the person who doesn't have food. The God of my salvation? Like, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in the God of my salvation. For the Lord is my strength. Christmas is this invitation to trust even when we can't see or hear for God is always watching, he's always listening, and he's always present.
He's always watching, he's always listening, and he's always present. Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, this, this week, as you work through that journal and you open it every morning, I hope, and read a little bit of the scripture, you maybe turn to that page with that cracked hand that says the incarnation. I pray that you're able to lean into a holy anticipation, anticipating the presence of God in your life this Christmas season. And I hope you don't miss the God who may be quiet, but the God who is not distant. Would you stand with me? God, um, thanks for the gospel stories and uh, the ways that each of these authors gives us a different perspective of Christmas. Thank you that Mark, uh, though very subtle and behind the scenes, reminds us that you are here and you are with us. You are on our side and you are working behind the scenes of our lives, even if we can't see you. So thanks for that reminder this morning. Um, God, may we trust you as a people, lean into you knowing that you're always watching, you're always listening, and you're always working. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Amen? Amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.